things happening um, because God knows what he's doing. Amen. I want to direct your attention uh, today to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 29. And I'm going to begin reading at verse number one. <clears throat> this is uh, a little bit of reading. It's typically more than what I do read. But uh, this I felt I needed to cover all of these verses, verse through verse one through verse 12, so that you get the full picture. <clears throat> Uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 1. <clears throat> now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priest, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jeconiah, <clears throat> the king, and the queen, and the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem by the hand of Elisa, the son of Shaphan, and Jemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent unto Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build you houses and dwell in them, and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take you wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear, be, that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall you have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which you have caused to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And I want you to notice verse number 12. Then, somebody say then. Then. then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. There were numerous things that the Lord said that we're going to address here today, but at the conclusion of the words that God was speaking to his people, he used a term that speaks of the future, and that term is, then shall you call. So for a few minutes here today, I, I want to preach to you on this subject, until then. Right. Amen. Until then. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. This particular passage of Scripture begins by 
stating that these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto those who had been carried away captive. I am convinced that the people that he is writing to are given, we're given some understanding about their mind, their thinking, their condition, their state of life. All the way back in Psalms chapter number 137, where the writer records and says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our hearts in the willows thereof. For they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Now, first thing I want you to notice by those first four verses of Psalms 137 is that every pronoun that is used in those first four verses is in the plural form. There's nothing there that's singular. So it is speaking about the overwhelming attitude and the spirit of the people that had been carried away captive into the land of Babylon. So as you go down through these first four verses, it said that by the rivers of Babylon there, we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. It moves on to, moves on to talk about how that we hanged our hearts in the willows. That there they that carried us, us away captive required of us a song, saying, uh, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And then they ultimately said, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? So those four verses are telling us that this was the overwhelming spirit and the overwhelming attitude of the people that were carried away captive in the land of Babylon. There was an attitude of hopelessness. There was an attitude of helplessness. Amen. And there, that prevailing thing caused all of them basically to speak the same thing. But when you get to verse number five and verse number six, it changes from the plural form of the pronoun to the singular. Amen. Because the man that writes in verse number five, he says, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. And if I do not remember you, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. So what we see here is a contrast between what everybody else was saying and what everybody else was doing and one man that stood up and said, you know what? Everybody else is weeping and everybody else is hanging their heart and everybody else is saying, what's the use and how can we sing the Lord's song? But I'm gonna tell you what my attitude is. I'm going to tell you what my feelings are. And my feeling is, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. 
And if I do not remember you, then let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. I want to tell every one of us here today that you've got to come to a point where you declare, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. This is what I'm going to do. Everybody else may be weeping, but I'm going to rejoice. Everybody else may be feeling like there's no hope, but I have hope. Everybody else may be giving up, but I'm hanging on. The world around me may be going crazy, but thank God he's given me the spirit of a sound mind. I made my mind up. No matter what everybody else is doing, they're not going to determine what I'm going to do. Ah, clap your hands and give him some praise right now. You have to come to the point where you quit looking what everybody else is doing and you decide what you're going to do for God. You have to reach a point where you quit measuring your responses by what others' responses are because we live in crazy times. We live in evil times. We live in times where it, there, is a, there is the breeding of fear and the breeding of helplessness and hopelessness in our world, in our nation, even right now. Amen. They're doing everything they can to separate us and divide us. But there comes a point where some of us have got to stand up and say, no matter what everybody else is doing, no matter what they choose to do, we have, a, have to have an attitude of a Joshua that says, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're making up our mind that we're going to be what God wants us to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And so we understand when we read even what Paul or what, what Jeremiah is writing. And then we read the words of the psalmist. Then we understand that it's very obvious that the times and the situation that the people of God were in, it was not the best but the worst of times. Amen. But I, I want you to understand by the reading of the word of God that in the midst of all of that, God has a plan. No matter what is happening around you, God always has a plan. Don't ever worry about things keeping or, or catching God by surprise. Nothing catches God by surprise. COVID did not catch God by surprise. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. I feel like, I, I feel like the Holy Ghost wants me to preach some things here today. It didn't catch God by surprise. What's going on in our world right now has not caught God by surprise. The craziness, the upside down, the calling good evil and evil good, that hadn't caught God by surprise. And you and I don't need to get worried and full of fear and afraid because of what's going on in our world today because God's got a plan. God has a plan. God has a plan. I'm preaching to this church. God has a plan. Come on, East Bay. God has a plan. God's got a plan for you as an individual, and God's got a plan for you as a church.
Amen. It don't catch God by surprise. You have to remember Revelation 1 and 8 tells us, he, he said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Say it, the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. The beginning and the ending. That's not a place in time. That's not a geographical location. The ending is a person. And the, the beginning is a person. It's your God. Woo, hallelujah. He's not just in the beginning and he's not just in the ending. He is the beginning. And he is the ending. So I don't care what's going on between the beginning and the ending. He's going to be there at the end of all things. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, you got to realize your God's got it all in control. You got to realize that God's doing some things in the midst of everything we see going on. And I'm going to tell you why he's doing it. He's doing it for his church. He's doing it for his people. He's doing it for those that are redeemed, that are blood washed, that are called by his name. Praise the Lord. And so the prophet of God is telling the people of God that while your situation may not be the best, I want you to make the best of your situation. Hallelujah. I feel, the, I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. Amen. I want you to make the best of your situation because I have plans. You may not like where you are, but learn how to live where you are. You may not be enjoying where you are, but learn how to deal with where you are. Amen. I could talk to you about Joseph, the great man from the book of Genesis, where that when he was sold into slavery, carried down to Egypt and sold on the auction block to a man by the name of Potiphar. He was the low man on the totem pole. He was, he was the new boy on the block. He was the fresh new slave. Hallelujah. But he looked around and said, you know what? Before this thing is over with, I'm going to, I'm going to move up the ladder. I'm not going to be the young boy on the block. And before it was over with, he was second in the house only to Potiphar. He knew what Potiphar had. In fact, he was more aware of Potiphar's wealth than what Potiphar was aware of. Because God used him to control the situation. He was not in a good situation, but he made the best of his situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He got thrown in prison because the wife of Potiphar lied on him. And when he got in the jail, he got in the prison house. He looked around and decided this may not be the best place to be, but I'm going to make it as good as I possibly can make it. And before it was over with, he was the head man over all the prisoners. He was the keeper of the prisoners because here's a man that's going to be productive. No matter where I am, no matter what circumstance I'm in, I'm going to be productive. I am going to make something of where I'm at. 
I've come today to talk to some people in this house that you're worried about the future and you're worried about what's going to happen. You're worried about things that are going to unfold. This preacher's come to tell you that you got to make the best of your situation because your God knows where you are. Your God knows what you're up against and your God wants to use you to do a great work. Amen. God was telling the people of Israel, it doesn't matter what the Babylonians' plans are. It doesn't matter what man's plans are. I have a plan. Woo, hallelujah. I don't care what the plans of the current administration is. I don't care what the plans of the current political position and, and political environment is. I don't care what the plans of the medical world is concerned in our, oh, hallelujah. Doesn't matter to me what the plans of the CDC and any other three-letter agency in our nation and our world. That's not what concerns me. What I want to know is, what's your plan, God? What's your plan, God? What's your plan? What do you... Doesn't matter what man's plans are. God has a plan. Amen. And God told Israel, after speaking many things to them, he told them, he said, I have plans for you. I don't have plans of evil. I don't have plans to destroy you. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Because what I'm telling you is there is an expiration date. There is an expiration date on where you are and what you're going through. And that's the one thing every one of us need to understand. That no matter the trial, the trouble, the problem, God always has an expiration date. Somebody shout amen. But then that last verse that I read, the Lord said, then, then shall you praise me. In other words, there will be a future point in time where your circumstances are going to change. Amen. I got plans for a day that things are going to reach a point where you'll look back on this experience. And you'll look back on what you went through. And at that time, he said, but until then. Hallelujah. But until then, there's some things I want you to do to get you through what you're going through. Until then, I don't want you sitting on your hands. I don't want you sitting down by the river of Babylon having a pity party. I don't want you hanging your harps in the willow trees. I don't want you just giving up hope and quitting. He said, I got some things that if you'll do that, you'll survive this period of time. You'll survive this circumstance. You'll survive the situation that you find yourself in. So the first thing the Lord told them to do was to build you houses and dwell in them. Oh, hallelujah. Build houses and dwell in them. Because you see, to build a house, it was a statement that you intend to survive where you are. Amen. You're not digging a grave, you're building a house. 
You're not giving up hope and quitting, but you're building a house. God. You're going to build a place. You're going to live in this place. You're not going to die in this place. You're going to dwell here. You're going to survive here. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. There's some people here that you feel like you're going to die where you are. and You're struggling where you are. I'm telling you, God wants you to build a house where you are. Lay you a foundation. Lay some blocks. Put a roof on a house and make up your mind. I'm not dying here. I'm living here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's another reason why you build a house in the trial that you're in. That you build a house in the circumstances you find yourself. You build it because, amen, it makes a statement to other people that come after you. Hallelujah. When you build the house there, others that come down this same path, that have to walk through this same trouble, when they get to where you have lived, they can say, if they made it, I can make it. If they survived it, I can. Oh, hallelujah. I got to be careful because I'll be chasing rabbits and I'll be, I got all kind of stuff popping up right now and I can't help it. Hey man, when I feel what I'm feeling right now, some things are going on in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody shout amen. You see, you got to understand that God puts you through things and allows you to go through things and not just for you, but for others that are going to follow after you. Not just for your survival, but for the survival of others. God you have to understand that the wrong decisions you make amen can affect others that come along behind you the wrong decision you make could cause others to trip and fall unless you build a house and when you build the house and decide I'm living here then you're telling others that come after you you can make it also amen Many of, you, many of you would know the story of Job. Struck with sore boils from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. After he had lost everything that he ever had. Now let me just, let me just interject something here. And that is when the devil was talking to, to God and God was talking to the devil. This harks back to what I said a few moments ago. What the Lord told the devil to begin with is you can take everything the man's got, but you can't touch the man. God set limitations. And that's the one thing you have to always remember. God sets limitations. He sets limitations on the negative, on the contrary. He sets, he sets limitations on the effect of the enemy, the act of the enemy, the attack of the enemy. He sets a limitation. He might allow him to go so far, but God says that's as far as you can go. When it came back the second time and the Lord said, okay, you can touch the man, but you can't kill him. Because if there's one thing that God will never let the enemy of your soul do and that's destroy you in the middle of your trial. He's able to affect you. He is able to impact everything around you. But God says you can't kill them. You can't. That ought to make somebody happy here today. 
to know that your God has set limitations on the devil. But Job, Job is full of sore boils now because the enemy's touched him. He hasn't killed him, but he's touched him. And the word of the Lord tells us that he took a piece of pot shared. And if you understand what pot shared is, it's a broken piece of pottery. It's a vessel that once was whole, but now it's been broken. And he took that broken piece of pottery and began to scrape the sore boils. His only comfort that he could get was something that had already been broken. Hallelujah. And there's a world out there that's hurting. And sometimes the reason why that God lets us get broken and sometimes we have to go through certain trials and tests is because the only comfort some people can get out there is someone that will look at them and say, I know what you're going through. I've been there. I've been there. Hallelujah. Let me help you in your pain. Let me help you in your suffering. Let me help you in your problem. Because the only comfort some folks can get is from something that's already been broken. So when you've been broken, don't, don't fret, don't cry, don't worry. There's a point. Somebody's going to pick up the broken piece of your life and they're going to say, this is helping me. You went through what? Yeah, you went through it. And you made it? I can make it also. I can make it also. You survived a divorce, I can survive divorce also. You, you survived the sickness, I can survive the sickness also. Build you a house. Some of y'all need to just settle down and build a house. Come on. I said settle down and build a house. Quit, quit letting the devil create upheaval in your life. Quit letting the devil create all kinds of fear and havoc and chaos. Settle down and build a house where you are. He said, the next thing I want you to do until then, until then, I want you to plant gardens. And I want you to eat the fruit of them. Because you see, God did not intend that the place where they were in would be a place of destruction. But it would be a place of productivity. Amen. And that's why that we mentioned Joseph. That no matter where he found himself, he was productive. The situation was negative, but his productivity was on the positive side. That's why later on, whenever God brought him out of that place, when he reached his then, when he reached his then, and God brought him out and he gave him two sons. He named the first one Manasseh. He said, because the Lord has made me to forget the toil of my father's house. Amen. Lord, help me right now. This, 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 this message is getting bigger, so help me. Y'all need to pray. Amen. 
You made me forget the toil of my father's house. Because it wasn't his father he had a problem with. It was the father's house he had a problem with. Some of your greatest disappointments will come in the father's house. But it's not the father that did you wrong. It was not the father that disappointed you. It was not the father that let you down. The father's house may have let you down, but your God has never let you down. Oh, hallelujah. Don't quit because a preacher disappoints you. Don't quit because saints disappoint you. Amen. He said, he has made me to forget the toil of my father's house. And when his second son was born, Ephraim, he said, I'm going to call him Ephraim because the Lord has made me fruitful, productive, where? In the land of my affliction. Not in the land where everything was going good. Not in the land where everything was just, as we would say, down south, hunkadori. Amen. Where everything was fine and fancy. No, it was in the land of the affliction. He said, God's made me fruitful. So in due process of time, when Joseph brought his two boys to his father and he wanted his father to give the boys that, 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 that blessing of the firstborn, whenever Joseph brought his sons to his father, Jacob, the Bible said that he positioned them so that Manasseh would be on the right hand of Jacob and Ephraim would be on the left hand of Jacob because Joseph understood the firstborn gets the blessing and when they got close enough and Jacob was about to give the blessing he crossed his arms and he put the right hand blessing on Ephraim and, the, and Joseph said no dad that's wrong you got and he said no I know what I'm doing because I'm not going to put the right hand blessing on your trouble and on your bitterness and on your anger and on what you went through I'm going to put my blessing upon your productivity your fruitfulness come on hallelujah God's not going to bless your trouble. He's going to bless your desire to be fruitful where you are. <laughs> Hallelujah. Each may I've come to preach to you here this afternoon that what you've got to remember what to do is where you are, plant a garden. Plant a garden and have a harvest. Have a harvest. Have a harvest. Amen. I, I, I want to be careful, but I'm feeling some things in the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell East Bay here, everybody's not going to leave the East Bay. Everybody's not going to walk out of Almeida. Everybody's not going to leave this part. Of the, there's going to be people that stay. So plant you a garden. I said plant a garden. God has a plan. Cultivate that garden. What are you saying, Brother Bass? Keep on having church. Keep on knocking on doors. Keep on giving Bible studies. Keep on reaching this place. Amen. 
The church is here for a reason. The church is here for a purpose. Because there's going to be a whole lot of people out here that are going to be looking for something to make the difference in their life. And there's got to be somebody shining a light. Somebody offering hope. So plant you a garden. Come on, don't sit in a corner somewhere and fold your hands and say, what's the use? Nobody wants this. Nobody. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just going to tell you right now what I feel in the Holy Ghost for the world. I'm not just talking about America, but for the whole world. I am confident that everything going on right now, God is orchestrating it behind the scenes for the benefit of his church. You say, do you have Bible for that? You absolutely are certain, and you can be certain that I have Bible for it. Because when you go to the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord told Israel, he told the people of God, he said, listen, when I, when I, oh, hallelujah, when I numbered the nations of the world, I set their boundaries according to the number of Israel. Amen. What God allowed the world to have was based on what he had given to Israel. And what's going on in our world right now is based on what God's doing with his church. Come on, you got to believe that. You hear me? You got to believe that today. That everything going on is based on what God is doing with those who are called by his name. God's orchestrating some things. And we may not like where we are, no more than Israel liked where they were in Babylon. We may not appreciate the place that we're in, and we may feel the stress and the pressure of the times, but I'm preaching to you that there is coming a point where things are going to change. But until then, build you a house. Plant you a garden. You got to be productive where you are. He said, I'm going to tell you that the third thing you need to do is take wives, beget sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters. For what reason? That you may be increased there and not diminished. Amen. God's not planning on the church losing. God is not going to plan for the church to lose. He's planning for the church to win. And for every single person that gives up and leaves, God's got somebody else out there that he can bring in and replace them. Amen. Because the will of God is in the middle of what we're going through as a nation and as a world. It's the will of God that we grow, that we magnify, that we produce, and that we not be diminished. Amen. I have heard several testimonies. Let me just toss this out so you understand that God can do great things in the middle of all of this. 
I have heard several testimonies, and I'm not dwelling on this a long time. But I've, I've talked with pastors. I've talked with men that were in varying, various kinds of, of, of environments where they heard directly some things that were going on. Number one, I heard a pastor that testified to the fact that he was in a class, a, a minister's class, that were from various denominations. There were five apostolic preachers in that class and about 30, I think, of other that were in the class. And the professor that was going to teach that day, he said, before we get started, I want to go around the room and I want you to tell us who you are, what city you're from, and where you pastor. And then I want you to give us a brief understanding of what has happened to your church during this time of COVID when we were locked down and we were unable to gather together. How has it affected your church? And without exception, every single denominal pastor said, we have been hurt financially. We have been hurt numerically. Amen. One man said, I was running 1,500 consistently in my church, and now I'm doing good to get 500 in church. Our, 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 our finances are way down. But without exception, every apostolic preacher that stood up and identified themselves said, we have grown numerically during this time. We have grown financially during this time. Come on, plant a garden, have babies. Amen. I heard another pastor, this pastor said that he was talking to a man that has built, I think, over 100 churches in America. He's a, he's a general contractor, and uh, they are negotiating with him uh, on, a, on a new facility, not a, not a sanctuary, but an annex. And, and uh, he was talking with him, and he said, so how's business? This man looked at him and said, he said, Reverend, he said, I've got 40 projects underway right now, and without exception, every one of them are apostolic except one. He said, you men are the only ones building churches in America right now. You're the only one. <laughs> Amen. Pastor was in, a, in, in an office of a, of a high-level president of a of an international bank and he's sitting there talking to him and this this president who has uh, many many contacts and runs in the uh, hierarchy of the of the banking world he looked at this pastor he said i want you to understand something the eyes of the banking industry are on you men oh, hallelujah he said you men are the only ones. Your churches are the only ones. We're watching your bank accounts. We're watching your payment record. You're the only ones paying your bills, and you're the only ones who are increasing in deposits into your bank account. Hallelujah. They said, we're, we're losing churches. They're going bankrupt. They're, he said, all over America, there is right now a 68% uh, default rate among churches. He said, so I'm just telling you, you men are the only ones, and we got our eyes on you. I only told you that to let you know. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care what the circumstances are. We serve a God that is going to help us make it through 
the situation. The intent of God was for them to grow in the place they were in. It would not be a place where they would be stymied. It would not be a place where they would be paralyzed. But that there would be great growth. Somebody say great growth. He said that you may be increased there and not diminished. I don't care what you're dealing with. God never let you go through that to diminish you. But for you to increase there. Amen. He said the fourth thing I want you to do. And the final instruction God gave was seek the peace of the city. Whether I have caused you to be carried away captives. And pray. <laughs> and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof, you shall have peace. Amen. Doesn't matter what we are faced with and what they say to us and the things, the war, the spirit of war that rises up. We need to be praying for peace. Because he said, when you pray for peace and I give you peace, you're going to partake of that peace. You're going to enjoy that peace. Come on. He didn't tell us to get signs and go out here on the street and protest. He said, find you a place to pray. Have a prayer meeting. God, have a prayer meeting. Have a prayer meeting. Have a, talk to God about the condition of the place you are in. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what kind of situation you're in. It doesn't matter if it's a home problem. If it's a job situation. If it's a church situation. If you pray for peace, God will give you peace. And you will enjoy the peace. Amen. I understand how frustrating it can be to be living in circumstances that make you uncomfortable, that make you unhappy, that you are in complete disagreement with. Huh? But before you make a decision based on that, you need to make a decision based on what's the will of God for me. What's the will of God for me? What's the will of God for my family? Is it God's will for me to pull stakes and leave? Or is it God's will for me to build a house, plant a garden, grow, be productive, and pray for this place? Hallelujah. Until then. You see, here's the key. God was saying, look at what all you're involved in. Look at what all you're having to face. I'm telling you, I've got plans for you to give you an expected end. And he said, but until then. Until the time that I turn the tide. 
here's some things I want you to do. And the problem with a lot of people is before that they give God a chance. Before they give God an opportunity to fulfill his plan for their life. They want to throw their hands up and say there's no use. You may not like where you're building a house. You may not like where you're planting a garden. You may not like where your children are having to be raised. You may not like the spirit of the place you are. You may not like any of that. But the key is what's the will of God. The next thing you got to think about is at some point, God's going to turn the tide. And you'll be a whole lot happier when God turns the tide and you knew you held on to the will of God. I could give you so many biblical examples. I'm not going to hold you much longer. But I want to tell you that in Psalms chapter 84, verse number 6, and I just break right in the middle of that chapter, he talks about a people who pass through the valley of Baca. They pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a well. The word Baca there means weeping. It was known as a place of weeping. And they've never really been able to discover where this valley is geographically in the land of Israel. But the reality is it can be many, many places in the world and in life. He said, but here's what they did when they were passing through the place that was called the Valley of Weeping. They changed the environment. They dug a well. They made it a well. Hallelujah. You see, it doesn't matter where you are. You can change the environment of where you are. The woman that took the box and broke it, and the Bible said that aroma, that fragrance filled the house. She changed the atmosphere of the house by what she did. Amen. And there's so many examples I could give to you here today. There's, there's far more to preach along these lines than what we have time for. But what I can tell you is this, that when you make up your mind that I'm in the valley of weeping, I'm in the valley of Baca, I don't like where I'm at, but I tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to change the environment. In fact, I'm going to dig a well, not just for my personal benefit right now, but I'm going to dig a well because there's going to be some more folks coming through the valley of weeping. And when they get here, I want them to know they can make it. Come on. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Come on. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Yea, though I. He didn't say I'm going to live there. He didn't say I'm going to stay there. He didn't say I'm going to die there. He said I'm going to walk through that place. What God wanted his people to understand was, I have plans for you. But until the plans come to fruition, until the plans reach the point of completion, there's some things you got to do. And therein lies our problem. Our problem is we don't want to do what we have to do until God does what he wants to do. I'm preaching what I feel in the Holy Ghost. 
Before I ever lay my head down last night, I prayed God give me direction and he did. Last night, before I ever lay down, I felt this in the Holy Ghost. That we need to get a hold of something that says until then. If you can't hang on to anything else, just hang on to the fact until then. And until God finishes his work, I'll be here. I'll build me a house. I'll plant me a garden. I'll raise my children. I'll pray for the peace of God in this place. Ooh, I feel Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody needs, to, somebody needs to respond to the Holy Ghost right now. Respond to the Holy Ghost. Respond to the Holy Ghost. Everybody in this house, respond to the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to stand up. Somebody needs to walk down this, the aisle this morning and come to the front and say, God, I'm making my mind up. I'm going to build a house where I am. I'm going to plant a garden where I am. I am going to raise my children where I am. Oh, hallelujah. 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 I'm going to make it the best. I may not be in the best of situation, but I'm going to make the best of my situation. I'm not going to run out unless I know it's the will of God. I'm seeking the will of God. Come on, this, the hope, this altar's open right now. This altar's open in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is trying to help somebody here today. God wants you to know his work is not finished here in the Bay Area. God wants you to know that his work is not complete. He needs some people that will hold on and hold out until God finishes his plans. Come on, this is beautiful. Tremendous response right now. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray, let's pray. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on. Come on. I know what the Holy Ghost is trying to tell us today. Are we going to surrender to it? Will somebody make a fresh new commitment? I want to do your will, Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Oh.